from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard. I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thank you for spending some of your time with us tonight. And as a reminder to all our listeners, besides being on all your favorite podcast platforms, A Drink of Wisdom is also on YouTube with each show segment available. Head on over, and if you like what you hear, we would appreciate your subscription. What's going on, guys? Uh, welcome back from the holidays. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. I know I did. Um, got a nice Christmas present. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, 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 yeah. No problem. Yeah, but hope this, I, I just want to echo what he said. I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas um, or whatever, whatever else everybody celebrates. Um, but yeah, good to be back and a lot of good stuff to get into. Yeah, you know what it is. Um, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, all that good stuff. You know what it is. It's the holiday season. Pull up a seat. You know, we got we got to speak. You know what I'm saying? Hey, and listen, we see what they don't and say what they want. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll, baby. It just gets better with drink on these. So I like it. In episode 24, we discussed the NFL Pro Bowl selections, the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, which has come to a close. And, you know, we got to fill you in on the college football playoff. We're going to go ahead and start tonight with the uh, NFL sort of playoff picture. It's coming down to the wire. We're in week 17. And there are some pretty interesting scenarios in both the AFC and the NFC. And we're going to go ahead and begin tonight with the AFC. Uh, the quick broad picture, of course, is the Kansas City Chiefs. They have the number one spot locked up. They're going to get their first round by. And as a quick reminder, we are doing the seven-team playoff format this year. So there's an extra wild card. And your second team that would normally have a bye, your second overall seed, does have to play the first weekend. So a little bit different this year in case you forgot because that was like 400 years ago when they changed it. Uh, anyway, so we have pretty much five teams vying for four spots, and they're all good. I mean, we're all talking about 10-plus win teams here, and one of them is getting left out in the cold. So, Jay, we'll go ahead and start with you. Um, it's a surprising stark contrast in the NFC. Uh, what do you think about the AFC playoff picture? I don't I – don't, first of all, I, I don't know how good Cleveland is. I, I really don't. But, no, no, just to – I think it, it's it's real interesting. And we'll, of course, we'll get to the NFC um, briefly – can you can you imagine though there could be an eleven and five uh, team that could possibly get left out of this of the AFC playoff picture? That's that's almost unthinkable, especially considering this the NFL went with an expanded playoff format this year. We also thought um, I think I think we kind of believed that there would be a little bit less resting of players in the in week seventeen due to there only being one bye. Um, well, Kansas City, they kind of took care of that. They just ran away from the rest of the league, and that they, they get to rest players. We, uh, we've already got the Steelers. They, I think Big Ben's going to sit out week 17 um, against Cleveland. So, surely, I don't care uh, if they got zero wide receivers or not, surely Cleveland 
um, can beat the Mason Rudolphs of the world. I'm sure Miles Garrett will have a little bit to say to him when he gets back there. We, we know how that'll work. God, I was um, but I think, I mean, you think with with all that in mind, if, if Pittsburgh is going to rest Big Ben, I mean, Buffalo could look at, they could rest some guys um, or maybe they'll play it out. We'll see. But I think, uh, I think the most interesting thing here is I think Miami's in probably, and it, it's almost, I think it's a little bit crazy to, to think of it this way because they're in the five slot right now, but they could be in the most danger if Buffalo's going to play at full strength. Because when you look below them, I mean, Baltimore's got Cincinnati and Cincinnati's, um, they, they've been a, a bit better recently. Um, but you got to believe that Lamar Jackson and company, they go in and take care of business in that game. I just told you about Cleveland and Pittsburgh. If Big Ben doesn't play, I don't think Pittsburgh is going to be able to, uh, to to win that game. And then Indianapolis and Jacksonville. I mean, I mean, I guess Jacksonville. Jacksonville's one win on the season is against Indianapolis, and they've already locked up the number one overall pick. So I guess I don't know. Maybe they'll come out there and try to win the game. Um, so, but I think, but I think um, you know, with all that in mind, Miami to me, they've got the toughest Week 17 matchup, assuming you know how Sean McDermott wants to play it. Um, but I think, and, and of course, Tennessee, you got to throw them in there. You know, they get Houston. Houston has struggled uh, mightily most of the year, particularly on defense. They, they just let Brandon Allen chew them up for over 350 passing yards. Uh, but then you look, some of the potential, you know, the playoff matchups that we have right now in the wild card round. Um, and you are right. I, you know, I, I joke about Cleveland, but all these teams, you know, with all these teams having a chance to go 11 and five, there, there's, there's some really good solid teams. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna have some good matchups, uh, Buffalo, Cleveland. I don't know how much I really like that one. Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield doesn't really move the needle for me. But you know you know I can get down on Pittsburgh and Baltimore, a third installment of that rivalry. Uh, Big Ben, Lamar Jackson, Mike Tom and John Harbaugh. I don't think it gets much better than that. And then ten Tennessee and Miami, the 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 return of Ryan Tannehill for um, meeting up with his former team. Uh, what's Miami gonna do? Are they gonna stick with uh, with Tua Tagovailoa? Are we are we going to see Ryan Fitzpatrick um, do some things? I, I don't think we know the answer to that yet. Uh, but a, a lot, a lot to be decided. It's it's been a real competitive uh, year in the AFC. Um, it, it's it, it it is truly unthinkable that it, we have the possibility an eleven and five Colts team could be left out. Well, <clears throat> well, let me start right there. Um, here's the deal, fellas. They playing some ball in the AFC, as you can see. I'm looking at this, like Jay said, Kansas City 14 and one, why not? Um, I think more people could have seen that happen than not. I mean, they brought back the whole team. So we that was probably copy and paste for them. Um, Buffalo, listen, Buffalo having a good season. I'm gonna move past, because every time I start gassing up Buffalo, let me get 15 on pump five, and here come the ball still flying over the referee head. So. You know, you know, Buffalo, it is what it is. The Steelers, hey, the Steelers are very interesting. Um, they they holding on to that three seed in front of looks uh, it looked like they got a good chance to hold on to that. I don't know what's going on with this hot and cold team. You just never know what you're gonna get now. One, I mean, just three, four weeks ago, they looked like the best team in the NFL and one close. And now we out here like they could lose the Cleveland. So I mean, you just you don't know what you're gonna get out of that team. So that should be interesting. Tennessee, listen, I wanted to talk about this game, uh, the, the game they played the other night. This team don't know what to do if Derrick Henry can't run the ball. They don't know what to do. 
I seen some dude about to hit the big red button over behind because he didn't know what to do. It said break <laughs> in case of emergency. And my man had, he was ready to break. Cause he's like, oh, we can't run here. What do we do here? What do we do here? How about you throw the ball to AJ Brown or something? I don't know, but like, listen, you're not gonna be able to run them every game. What are we doing here? Either way, team was a little lost in the South. And then when, when we talk about teams five through seven, I just want to say this. Welcome to the party, Miami. Welcome to the party, Cleveland. Look, hey, you know what I'm saying? Listen, y'all seem to be looking like y'all benefiting from the extra playoff spot and a coach, a coaching change here, a coaching change there, you know. Welcome to the party, Miami. I, I, you know, Miami and Cleveland, we get to see some new blood in the playoffs. I don't think you're going to do much, but we get to see some new blood in the playoffs. So, you know, for what it's worth, welcome, you know. And um, number six, we got Baltimore. So I guess I got a question. I got a question for you, Jay. Baltimore seemed to have switched back to the old Ravens scheme that got them success last year. They stopped dropping back Lamar Jackson so much because um, that seemed like it stymied the Ravens offense for a little while. With that said, with them going back, do you see, do you see any different results? for the Ravens this year than we've seen in the past two years in the postseason? I think, I think we've, I think we'll see a different result. I, I think we'll, that's, that's hard to, it's hard to say though. I think they're, I think, you know, we expected Baltimore to kind of maybe be the same team they were last year, be 14 and two, or get a little, or even be better because they brought everybody back and they, they made some, uh, they made some good moves. They brought in Calais Campbell, they brought in Derek Wolf. It looked like they got better. I think the the, the injury to Ronnie Stanley uh, really hurt them. Um, so the the one thing I think that that helps them is Baltimore. Pretty much the entire second half of the season, I believe that they flown they flown under the radar. I think expectations for them are kind of a little bit low um, at this point. Um, but I think I think that that might help them a little bit. And I do I do think going back to you know what was you know, kind of their bread and butter running the football and using Lamar Jackson's legs um, just as much as they use his arm. I think that'll benefit them. And maybe, um, you know, maybe for whatever reason, Lamar Jackson, he's not going to, you know, maybe develop into that a, a prolific passer from the pocket. That that might just not be um, something he's really going to be able to do at a, a Patrick Mahomes type level. So I think, and, and then of course, if they get Pittsburgh, that's going to be an interesting matchup because Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh hasn't been, you know, the 11 and 0 team that they started off. You know, they're, they're kind of on a decline. They can't run the football. And if Pittsburgh comes out and plays Baltimore in a wild card round, uh, I don't think, I don't know if a one dimensional Pittsburgh t- uh, team is going to have a lot of success against Baltimore. Okay. I was just curious because I've seen them revert and then it's like, this didn't work in the last two years, but it worked so well in the regular season. It's like, I don't know. Maybe they could tweak some and get a get a dub or something. Yeah. I don't know, but we'll see. Um, and then you got Cleveland at seven. I already said it. Listen, Cleveland, run the ball. And then at eight, we got we got the Indianapolis Colts. Here's the deal. Um, I was just reading the article. The Colts have uh, sent a memo to Roger Goodell, and they asked if they can replace one of the MCE teams so they can play off spot. Uh, <laughs> at least we know if they was in that division, they have a winning record. Either way. You know, I I, I like the that they added the playoff spot. Um, the 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 AFC looks like it's gonna be competitive as all get out. Um, I can't wait to see it. When you look at these records, 
they ain't playing no games. And once we start talking about the NFC, you'll see exactly what I mean by that. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I like the matchups. We still got another week to go before they, they're finalized. But, hey, let's roll, baby. Yeah, a couple quick thoughts. You know, I look at Tennessee and Indianapolis sitting here both at uh, 10 and 5 in the AFC South, and it's, it's striking to me that one of these teams may be on their couch for the playoffs. And I, you, just, you look at the expectations that both had. You know, Tennessee had signed all these guys. They paid all this money to Tannehill and Henry, and, you know, they're coming off an AFC championship kind of run. And the Colts, you know, they got great play out of Phillip Rivers this year, DeForest Buckner trade. I mean, they, they've drafted really well the last couple of years. Both teams really had high, high expectations, and and despite hitting the expect, like if you just said at the beginning of the season, hey, 11 and five, how does that sound? They'd be like, yeah, you know, and then one could potentially, you know, even 10 and six, you, you could still be at home. It's, it's baffling to me. Um, but when I look at all these teams, the only team that looks like to me, they could really challenge Kansas City is probably Buffalo. And I think that if, if we get the Josh Allen that we've had this whole season, I guess Pittsburgh can too. I guess if we get the actual Steelers that we thought, you know, we had at 11 and 0, maybe they can too. I, I think you'd never want to discount guys like Tomlin and big Ben, but Buffalo, man, Josh Allen's had an MVP season. I mean, I you won't gas him up. I will real quick. He's had an MVP level season. If you look at him versus Patrick Mahomes, it's, it's if I, if I labeled him player A and player B and took their, their names away, you'd have a hard time. You would be like, uh, well, he, you know, it, it's, but I want to see it in the playoffs because we haven't seen it in the playoffs. We, in the playoffs, we get him lateral on the ball to refs and you know, all the other nonsense. So like, if we get no nonsense, Josh Allen, man, the bills are really good. And uh, yeah, the final thought I had was uh, like, you guys already said, what, what is Miami going to do in the playoffs? Are we going to get Tua for a quarter and then Ryan Fitzpatrick to come in for relief? Like what th this dance they're doing has been cute, but you're in the playoffs, man. It's a different world. I mean, do you go with the vet? Do you try to win games? Do you let the rookie just get his air out of socks in the playoffs for the first time. I don't know how they're going to approach it. It's going to be interesting to see. All right, let's go ahead and move over to the NFC. Uh, this one's a bit more of a um, dumpster fire in terms of uh, teams that could still get in. Um, we, we got Green Bay, New Orleans, and Seattle all could still get the first round by. And then we've got uh, Tampa Bay as the only wild card team, and there are like five other teams that could get in the wild card um, deal. So go ahead and break it down for us, Jay. What do you see in the NFC? Greg, you want to start this one? Yeah, I can. Look, here's the deal. So over here in the NFC, right, they like to, they like to pack it in and they ain't talking about the Green Bay Packers. I'm just talking about how tight it is over here. Take that for what it's worth. Pause. So listen, we got Green Bay up here at, you know, 12 and three, you know, right now they're in the first, you know, first seed right now. But then you got New Orleans and Seattle that's right on their hip, right? So they, they right close. And I like that. So that part, I'm like, okay, I like the, the competitors at the top. You know, one team ain't already clinched it, and the rest of them like, oh man, we gotta play on opening weekend. So, so I like that. But then you get to number four. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> if so, they this team couldn't even come up with a nickname, right? Couldn't come up with a nickname. But somehow they got Ron Rivera in their lap. And, and these awesome defensive pieces that's good enough to roll out a guy that almost got his leg amputated like just last year and win enough games to get a home playoff game, which let's be real here, home playoff games don't matter as much this year because a lot of, you know, arenas are empty. But yet and still, this is some outrageous stuff. And I like the LOL. So 
Then we come down here, number five, we got the GOAT. I hope this last year, but this we got the GOAT at Tampa Bay, 10 and five. And then we got the loss. See what I'm Look at the Rams. Look at look at your Rams. The Rams been eating their Wheaties. They've been eating their Wheaties. They're looking, you know what I'm saying? We had them dead. We maybe we should have had them walking dead, but we had them just dead. They still locked. They still doing something. You know what I'm saying? And then you got the Chicago Bears at eight and seven. When did you watch this? Give me this. What game did you watch when you watched the Chicago Bears and you like that's a playoff team? They've scored 30 plus in like four straight games. I'll say that. I mean, the offense is starting to actually look like they might be able to score it every now and then. Just saying, like, but, you know. All right. We're not buying. <laughs> so, I, I, I ain't saying that they're great, but they've been a little right. better if you hadn't been watching them too close. They've been a little better. Okay. Reporting live so, from Devil's Island, Devil's Advocate Island down there. They passed through this week for, you know, five minutes. So. <laughs> So Arizona, we got Arizona coming in at the eight seed, eight and seven. So my my point was like when you looked at the AFC, you like, oh man, they playing ball, a bunch of double digit teams, and then we got the Colts that could possibly go eleven and five and miss the playoffs. But we got Washington that's guaranteed not to go five hundred. That's going to be in the playoffs, and then we got Chicago over here that could possibly go five hundred and maybe get in, depending on what Arizona do behind them. Like Arizona could possibly be, I don't know, maybe 500 to get in. That is crazy. When you look at that, I mean, it's almost like the Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference in, in, in the NBA almost. Like, hey, you could slide around in the back end and go and slide on in there. But all in all, when I look at the matchup, I think um, Green Bay, y'all already know. Uh, until I see them play a team that dominate the trenches and they look like they know what's going on, I, I'm not sold. I'm just not sold on Green Bay. New Orleans, I like New Orleans, but they just got too much going on. Michael Thomas, he's in and out. Drew Brees, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's still he's playing better than most quarterbacks, but I don't know if it's enough to get you to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, defense looking good. Not really sold on the offense totally. Alvin Kamara, I'm sold on. But the rest of it, I don't know if you can get it to come together during this playoff run. Seattle was my team. They, they was my before the season pick. I think their defense is playing a little better, but I'm not like in love with them. So those three teams, I don't, I don't get a a Kansas City feel. I don't get a Buffalo feel with those three teams. They're good, but I don't know if they're good enough to be holding up the Lombardi at the end of the year. We'll see. I don't know. And then, like I said, Washington, Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, Chicago. Man, get out of here. I ain't, I ain't wasting no time with them folks. So, all in all, the NFC is close, but the AFC look like whatever team come out the AFC, that's probably going to be my Super Bowl winner. <laughs> NFC over here. Well, the top four in the NFC. They over here doing their best college football playoff impersonation. What do I mean by that? Well, we got Green Bay, New Orleans, and Seattle. That, look, they, they're your top three. They definitely stand out, you know, above the rest. Whatever the four seed winds up being, they got a little Notre Dame feel to them, and probably they worse than that. You're just not buying, you know, I, I got I got so much love for Ron Rivera, and I think he's done a great job, you know, just mixing and matching, you know, three, four, I don't know, maybe even five quarterbacks that he's, you know, put on the uh, field this year. And I, I hope they beat Philadelphia and they clinch that final playoff spot. 
I don't think I can stomach six and 10 football teams going to the playoffs. I don't need, I mean, we got people, we got pro football talk, you know, over here talking about, um, oh, you know, what's going to be real interesting, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Giants. Yeah. The six and 10 New York Giants against the Tom Brady led Buccaneers. Yeah. That's, that's really what we don't want to, we don't want to see that. We don't need that. But I do think, I do think the, uh, when you go down, when you look at the top three teams, and I'm going to, I'm going to disagree just slightly. I get where drinks coming from in terms of the Packers. And, um, you know, I think all of our, you know, our reservations about them. Um, when you talk about a team that, you know, dominates the line of scrimmage, I, I don't think that, I think Tennessee would be one of those teams that comes to mind immediately. And they, uh, the Green Bay was tremendous against Tennessee on Sunday night. They, they not, whooped them. Not, not, whoa, not on the defense side. If you want to give me the offense side, because they run the ball well with Henry, yes. That, that defense, Tennessee defensive line has been stinking up the joint this year. Okay, okay. That, well, that was, that was my, my biggest fear about Green Bay was their ability to defend the run. And I think, you know, when, when you're playing Tennessee, I think your first priority should be able to sell out against Derrick Henry. And that, but that's what most teams do anyway. And, some, and yeah. uh, more often than not, they still can't get it done. You, yeah. you are absolutely right about Tennessee's defense. You know, they not you – know, Green Bay's offense doing whatever they feel like against that defense, that I don't think that should be um, any surpri- uh, much surprise to anyone. But I do think that you got to be encouraged if you're a, a Green Bay Packer fan. If you can come out on the field – um, in, in those conditions and, and, and slow down Derrick Henry to that, uh, to that extent, that, that's got to give you some confidence. But, of course, I, I still think New Orleans is still the best team in, in the NFC, even though, you know, we still got, we got questions about Drew Brees. We got questions about his arm strength. Um, we don't know what raw receivers are on the field week to week. We don't know where Michael Thomas is. Um, we don't uh, – Traquan Smith's been out. Emmanuel Sanders, he's been doing some things here recently. Um, Jerry Cook, he's good. He's good up the seams every now and then. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, the Saints are almost a little bit of a throwback team now. They run the football and they play defense. Uh, Alma Kamara, you know, he's he's the jack of all trades. You know, he runs the football inside, outside. He catches passes. Latavius Murray, he's a sledgehammer. He he runs in between the tackles for you. And then their de- their defense has been tremendous. I mean, you got just you got this guy Trey Hendrickson leading the NFC in sacks at twelve and a half. Of course, you know about Cameron Jordan. Marcus Davenport, and then Demario Davis has been an absolute stud at linebacker for them. And that secondary is, is tremendous. And one of the things you got to, if we look down the line and we think about maybe a Saints-Packers matchup, you know, first and foremost, when you talk about Green Bay, you, you talk about Devontae Adams. And I think the New Orleans Saints with Marshawn Lattimore, you know, that could be a really interesting matchup um, in, in, a, in a, uh, a potential game like that. Um, and then, of course, Janoris Jenkins and Malcolm Jenkins, you know, that – Dennis Allen, he's got a lot to work with on that defense. And then Seattle, Seattle, you know, Seattle's probably got, I can't say the best quarterback because Aaron Rodgers is playing absolutely out of his mind. Um, But Russell Wilson, first half of the year, he looked like the MVP candidate. He's fallen off in recent weeks, but we still know what the combination of him and Pete Carroll are capable of doing. He's got two great weapons out there with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And uh, the, that defense, you know, it's it's looked a little bit better recently. I mean, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, you know, they're flying around in the defensive backfield. And well, Jamal, well, Diggs is Jamal Adams is flying around at the line of scrimmage, looking like um, the second coming of Khalil Mack, getting ten sacks. And then, uh, but when, when you go on down the line, you know, you know how I feel about the NFC East. It's not good. No, we don't want to. We don't really. I could, I could deal with seeing Washington. I think that'd be a nice story, especially with Ron Rivera. I don't want to see Dallas. I don't want to see the Giants. Um, and, and of course, after Tampa Bay, and even even with Tampa Bay, you know, I think 
they stand out, you know, well above the rest of these teams kind of in the wild card mix. But I mean, there have been a lot, there've been, you know, you look at their losses, they got some bad losses. I mean, really, um, really the green Bay game is really the only game that kind of, I think stands out to you that to really, Oh yeah, they, they look for real. New Orleans has beat them up twice. And there's some other losses that really make you scratch your head and, you know, wonder how real are they? Uh, but of course um, the, the Rams, I'm not buying the Rams. The Rams, the Rams had the benefit of going four and zero against the NFC. So even if they win this game against Arizona, they're a 500 team and they're not going to have Jared Goff for this game. So there, we have the pleasure of watching somebody named John Walford, who his most recent time throwing footballs was for the, get this Arizona hot shots in the American, the AF, I forget what it, the American Alliance football thing yeah. or something that happened a couple of years ago. Come so that's on, what man. you Don't get be on disrespectful. This. It's called AAF, man. Don't be disrespectful. What? Yeah, the AF. The AAF. Hey, no, yeah. I, yo, no, I don't want to hear that, that. No, actually, I want to stop you to ask you a question. So can you explain what you just said about um, the Rams being 500? What, you, what did you just say? So the, the Rams had the benefit of playing the NFCs, four free wins. So if they win this, even if they win this game against Arizona, I look at them as a 500 football team. Just subtract them four gotcha. wins. So that's, that's, that's what I look at. And of course, with, look, with John Walford, that's a real possibility they could lose that game. So Arizona could, be, Arizona could get in. Arizona's tailed off in recent weeks. They don't look, they don't look the same as they did earlier this season. And yeah, ain't no, yeah, you know, I'm not buying Chicago. Get out of here with that. No, they signed my man Blake too. So if, if Wofford can't get it done, they got the proven guy. But they still uh, got they still got Ooh. Bryce Perkins. I'd rather see him. No, you know, the I was buying guy. I was buying the Rams until I decided to go lose to the Jets two weeks ago. Um yeah. Oh yeah. That that really that. I mean, because if you look at the Rams, you know, they do have the NFC East, sure, but they also beat the Seahawks and the Bucks back to back weeks. You know, that that's nothing that's not something to just cough at, you know. I mean Can I just but, throw this in there about the Rams real quick? Jared Gall throw it in there. I know he's been, you know, we think he, he hasn't been Carson Wentz bad. So that's kind of, you know, taking some of the, 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 the inverse limelight off of him. But since the start of 2019, he's got the most turnovers in the NFL at 39. So James Winston's right behind him. And he hasn't played all year. So that's a fun fact. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we talk a lot about the playoffs. We talk about momentum and there are teams that carry momentum into the playoffs and can make runs. Well, the Rams are doing the opposite. Their arrow is down. It's been down. They lost their last two and you lost to the Jets, man. Come on. So um, I'm not buying them. Uh, the Seahawks, no, y'all, y'all talked about the Seahawks defense. They're giving up 13.7 points per game since week 11. They've been the best defense in the league because they found a pass rush and it wasn't just Jamal Adams. They found something besides blitzing the strong safety to get a pass rush and lo and behold, suddenly the defense looks good it's weird how those things work uh I, I think the seahawks might be the most dangerous team like you always get the cliche that's not the team you want to play but they might be that team you know <laughs> they're, they're definitely i mean we know what green bay is going to do we know Aaron Rodgers having an mvp season um but we've been questioning how how soft they might be and I mean, that, that tennessee game was pretty eye-opening I, I i mean that's like okay like maybe maybe we're figuring it out but um you know, and we know New Orleans and Drew Brees, and we just hope that there's not some other heartbreaking thing that happens to the Saints in the postseason again. But who knows at this point what's going to happen to them once they get into the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, th these teams after them, I mean, Washington, you would think, has the best chance to at least do something. They do have a defensive front. They've got a veteran quarterback. I mean, 
you know, if you're going to pull one of those teams out, but let's just hope Washington wins at least gets in at seven and nine because yes. since 2002, since the reorg, we've had a seven and nine team. We've had a seven, eight and one team. So it's not unheard of. If we have a six and 10 team, it will be literally unheard of uh, since two, since the reorganization. So uh, let's all kind of just pull for the football team to just get on in, get the rest of the riffraff out of here because we don't need to see the Cowboys in. And honestly, these teams like the Cowboys and the Giants, they don't need to go to the playoffs. Like they literally do not need to go to the playoffs. They'd be out Nobody there. in that division need to go in the play. That's the whole point. No, the no, whole no, division dude, need to be out but, here. But well, I, if you had to take one, you would want Washington, I think. That's the right. idea. But, when you have when you have Washington, Ron Rivera, and then Alex Smith, I, I, that at least that at least you could like kind of sell me on that. And oh, by the yeah. way, Washington, Tampa Bay, that's that's intriguing because you got statue ass Tom Brady act there in the verticals offense. That that Washington defensive line could give them real problems. Yeah. Give mean, them real problems. And plus, I, Alex Smith, Ron Rivera, veteran head coach. Veteran quarterback, both of them got a wealth of playoff experience. I think Washington could make that a game. They could. And the, these other teams, they need to look at Philadelphia as a cautionary tale because you get if you make the playoffs with that record, you jump ahead or jump behind all the other teams in between you in the draft. And it masks a lot of problems. You keep coaches that maybe shouldn't be there and, and, and things don't go like Philadelphia did the last two years. They made the playoffs and they probably shouldn't have. And it kind of like let them limp along. And then all of a sudden, all the cracks showed at one time. You know, so maybe Wait, they hold, just... on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you saying, are you saying the Eagles should get rid of Doug Peterson? Is that oh, what I'm hearing oh, over here? That's a can of worms for another day. This segment's already a little too long, but Philly I'm, special? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, sometimes it's not always good to make the playoffs, at least when you're six and ten. And the final thing I'll leave you with is, uh, you kind of got alluded to just now, uh, Tampa Bay might want to go ahead and win this weekend because that's the difference in going to play Washington or having to travel to Seattle, New Orleans, or Green Bay, however that shakes out. So, um, well, I don't think even if they lose, the Ram I think the Rams are going to lose. So I think they're going to be well, the five regardless. Probably, but if the Rams would win, Tampa Bay was to lose, yeah, the, the seeds would switch five and six. Yeah, right. All right, fellas, go on and move on into the Pro Bowl selections. These came out a week or so ago. Um, pretty standard stuff here in the Pro Bowl. A little bit different, though, this year. We are having a virtual Pro Bowl, so there's not going to be any alternates, anything like that. It's uh, virtual this year, of course, because of COVID. Uh, it's a third fans, a third players, and a third coaches in the voting. So you got a nice mix in here. Uh, AFC is led by some of the usual suspects. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson are your quarterbacks. Uh, there's some... Guys, I'll put on the list. We'll talk about them. And on the NFC, your quarterbacks leading the way are Aaron Rodgers, um, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. So, Drake, go ahead and start with you. Uh, what do you think of the Pro Bowl rosters? And do you have any snubs? Uh, right off the top, no, um, no snubs. Only because, like, I like the Pro Bowl setup. I'm more for the All Pro setup because I think the All Pro they they do a little deeper dive, and it's not one third fans and one third like. You know what I'm saying? So I I, I kind of I keep the validity with the all pro teams. But to answer your question, um, I don't I don't have no snubs right off the bat. I'm looking, um, this seemed pretty, you know, cut and dry, copy and paste. Most of the guys that we've seen for years and years. Um, I see Josh Allen up in that thing doing what he do to Sean Watson, even though he lost all his weapons. He's glad to see him back in the mix. Really don't got a problem with the running backs. I I, I think the running backs is good. I'm glad they put some respect on Nick Chubb, even though he was hurt for a good portion of the season. And but carries. my God, I mean, when he do play, I mean, well, not Sunday, but take away, take away the Sunday performance. But when usually when he do play, you know what I'm saying? 
you know, he's doing his thing. So I, I was glad to see that. Um, no problem with the tight ends, uh, Travis Kelsey, um, Darren Waller, and listen, I've been so boxed. I done said this. Look, that AFC West best division hands down when you talk about the tight end position. Um, that that division is stacked with good tight end talent. Uh, Richard Richard, you know, whatever. Like, I, I never understand this whole fullback thing because every team don't play with a fullback. So it's what is it like baseball with the designated hitter thing? Like I don't like I don't know. Yeah, I kind of. It's it's I don't know. like because every team don't play with one. So that like how you just okay these eight teams play with a fullback. Grab one of them. All right, whatever. So then you know offensive tackles no problem. I, I really don't. You just keep it short and sweet. I'm not upset with the the Pro Bowl roster. Um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm more willing. I'm. I want to wait and see what the all pro roster say and see if it's closer to this or just in the left field. And then, you know, so, you know, I'm not mad at it. And, and like I said, right now, I don't really have a snub as far as the AFC go. I think, I think for the most part, there's a lot of good stuff um, in these rosters. I think, um, I think the, you know, all the, all the quarterbacks are about right. I think there, there's probably some arguments you can make, um, maybe over Kyler Murray considering the way he seems to have tailed off in the second half of the year. Uh, but I think, I think those are, there's a lot of really good um, selections at the quarterback position. I think, I think at running back, the one I would uh, swap in, and this is probably going to be to Cody's delight. I would probably put James Robinson in um, over Josh Jacobs. I think James Robinson has had just a, an outstanding season. Of course, it's going to be under the radar and he probably um, didn't get many fan votes um, because I don't think the Jaguars, I mean, for whatever reason, to have many fans. Um, so obviously he's going to be fighting an uphill battle in that regard. But of course, the wide receivers is a, a lot of things to like with, you know, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill. I think those guys this year are no brainer. AJ Brown has been tremendous as well this year um, in the NFC. You know, Devontae Adams has been nothing short of spectacular DK Metcalf as well. Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he's a rookie, uh, but he's been the, the maybe perhaps the best player in the draft period um, with the way he's performed. Um, I think the, the tight ends in the NFC, they're a little curious. Um, I think, I think it does help guys like TJ Hawkinson and Evan Ingram um, when the mainstays in the NFC, George Kittle and Zach Ertz, they've been hurt. Um, and in, in the case of Kittle and then Zach Ertz, he's been low in and out the lineup and we, we know how much of a disaster the Eagles have been. Um, I think, I think Jason Kelsey kind of surprises me a little bit just on the same line, how, you know, bad the Eagles have been and, it, it seems like his performance has been a little down this year. I think it, I think a defensive end in the NFC, um, of, of course, I, I got a lot of love for Cameron Jordan, but when you actually delve into some of the numbers and you look at a guy like Trey Hendrickson, who I mentioned earlier, Trey Hendrickson, he's got, he's doubled up Cam, Cam Jordan in sacks, 12 and a half to six and a half. Um, and sacks can sometimes be a little bit misleading, um, but his pressure percentage is doubled up as well. Uh, his pressure percentage is at 16%, Jordan's at 8%. Um, so some of those advanced advanced metrics kind of help Trey Henderson, but of course, uh, Henderson he's not a, he's not a household name. Um, Cameron Jordan is, um, so those are you know that's that's some of the things you have to take into to account. I I like I like the fact that Quandre Diggs is getting some love. I think Jamal Adams is kind of the no brainer pick at safety, but I, I like that the Seahawks got doubled up as safety. That's I think that's probably about right. I think. Um, you know, one of the underrated moves from last season is when Pete Carroll brought Quandre Diggs over from Detroit. And uh, th those two guys definitely have really maybe the best back end 
um, in football. The, the safeties in the, the, the AFC, I think um, they're just as impressive. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, um, speaking, of, speaking of in-season acquisitions, um, he's still having a, a profound impact on the Steelers' defense. Um, good, good for Justin Simmons um, out in Denver for getting some love. He's been he's been outstanding. He's played um, he's played him up, himself into a huge contract off the franchise tag this year. Uh, and of course, we know we know uh, what the Honey Badger means to the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think all in all, like I said, at tight end, I think maybe a guy like Robert Tyne in Green Bay that, that's a guy who could deserve some love. He's got ten touchdown receptions. Evan Ingram has one. Uh, but but for the most part, I, I think um, I think these rosters are about right. Yeah, I had a one or two snubs, but I mean, for the most part, I think the rosters are solid. Um, you know, and this is this kind of the same thing with the James Robinson argument you just made is guys on teams like the Jets and the Jags, like it's hard to really show them a lot of love. But, um, you know, Calais Campbell being on here, mostly probably got on because the fan vote and the name. And, and, and I love the guy to death, obviously. I'm not trying to pick on him. But Quentin Williams for the Jets, he had a year, man. He really had a year. He had 53 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, seven sacks, three pass offense, two forced fumbles, and 14 quarterback hits. And the defensive tackle position um and the jets as a whole that front of the jets is actually pretty good it's something that a lot of people you know probably overlook with the team as bad as they've been up until the last few weeks but um you know guys like him it, and again the pro bowl guys like him don't let me stand out as much as calais does with the personality so that's kind of what it is you could also argue i think brian burns had a little bit better year than chase young did in fact all of the nfc you know defensive ends that's probably the weakest of all these positions, you, you could probably like slide other guys in for the most part, you know, th- there's probably a couple other guys that could deserve it. Um, but, but one of the ones that's the most agreed just to me is Evan Ingram getting in. Uh, Evan Ingram caught 54 passes on 95 targets. Okay. Robert Tonyan of the Packers, 49 catches. So five less catches on 55 targets, which is 40 less targets. Um, so basically the same production at half the targets. Um, he had slightly less yards than Ingram, and he had 10 touchdowns to Ingram's one. So I, I don't – must have been just, hey, I play in New York, look at me, because I don't know how else he got in the Pro Bowl. But uh, it is what it is, I guess. But, um, but yeah, but again, I think we see that, you know, you have a difference in the fans and, and the, the coaches and players, you know, who all think is good. So like Drink said, it's the all-pro rosters will likely shake a lot of these things out and it'll be better. But um, overall, I think it's good. And I kind of almost like this a little more, the, the virtual format, because we don't get all these replacements and we don't have like these sixth and seventh remove guys like getting into the Pro Bowl. We just have the roster. That's the roster. We're moving on. So um, I, I hope maybe they keep this format in the future, but you know, we'll see how that plays out. All right, fellas, let's go on and move over. We'll say in the NFL, though, we got Trevor Lawrence to talk about. Um, the much maligned Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes has come to a close. The New York Jets uh, won their last two games and knocked off the Rams. Uh, and then I don't remember who else they beat this weekend, but it was it was great because they won. Um, oh, yeah, the Browns. They beat the Browns without any of their receivers. That's right. Uh, and meanwhile, the Jaguars continued on their trajectory, and it has now been solidified. No matter how the last uh, week 17 goes, the Jaguars now hold the number one overall pick and will likely select Trevor Lawrence, assuming he declares for the draft. So this has obviously been a big topic. There's been talk of tanking and changing the lottery, and if he would have been better off in New York, better off in Jacksonville, should he he hide? Should he fake his own death? I mean, I don't know. There's all kinds of storylines with it. So we'll just go ahead and open it up, Jay. Uh, What do you, you you know, Jaguars got the pick, Jets missed out. Uh, What do you think about it? I got to go. Yeah, I got to I got to be off topic here. I meant to get this in in the first segment, but since you brought up the Browns and there no wide receivers, anybody who anybody who out there crying about the Browns not having no wide receivers and playing against the Jets 
If you were silent and turned a blind eye to when the Denver Broncos had zero quarterbacks, I don't want to hear from you. If, if you are one of those people, I hope your internet gets cut out for the next three months. I hope you don't get no stimulus checks. That's how serious oh, this is. I don't want to hear about it. You played. You played. Take the stimmy. You played. I hope. Okay. How about this? I hope you get six hundred dollars, not the two thousand they're trying to get now. <laughs> okay. I hope. Okay. Listen, the New York. You couldn't beat the New York Jets. The Jets don't have wide receivers either. They don't have a plenty of positions they don't have, and they what? We quarterbacks, wide receivers. It's different. Now Trevor Lawrence. I think the fact that Trevor Lawrence. First of all, to get to the point of why should he's whether it's the Jaguars, whether it's the Jets, you know, because it's this those two teams, should he go back to Clemson or should he go to the, I don't know, the next football league that tries to open up business next year? Uh, no, he, he Trevor Lawrence, if he wants to come out and play football in the NFL, if he wants to do it next year, just come out and do it. It shouldn't be regardless of any team. You're in this position because you are so you are thought so highly of, and when you when you're this kind of prodigy and just the consistent number one overall pick, you get the pleasure of going to some team that stinks. That's how this works, and the thing about it is, I think I think Jacksonville actually securing the number one overall pick. I I think that could work to Trevor Lawrence's benefit um, for a couple of reasons. I think the New York market. I think that that's that, that's tough for in, for any player. Um, you know, Sam Darnold's he struggled with it a little bit right now, and we know, especially with the Jets, the Jets are just that they're a second tier organization. They they don't have any clue really what they're doing. I mean, they they got one owner who they try. He's supposed to be the ambassador to somebody. His brother runs the team. He doesn't really know what's going on. You got Adam Gase gets hired, and he's at the press conference, and people think he's high on something looking at flies in the room. We don't, we don't know. You got Greg Williams out here. He's over here mad because the Browns didn't let him coach the team. They let a kitchen come in there and do it. And now he's over here. He's calling um, mid blitz when he should call man up three deep. You know, it's just ridiculous. They have all these things going on. They can't do anything right at all. Now, I'm not saying that Jacksonville isn't any better, but at least you don't have the New York market and the New York media, which are going to be in your face each and every day. You're going to have all that national attention and even as good as good as you think Trevor Lawrence may or may not be, he's not. I don't think he's coming in day one and fixing the New York Jets by himself. He's not bringing Dabo with him. He's not. I mean, T. Higgins ain't coming there. You don't have Justin Ross, Travis Etienne, unless they get lucky and they get him in the second round. He ain't coming. It, it's going to be a tall order. So with just the amount of attention that he's going to get. And the number one pick is going to come with that attention regardless, but you know, it's going to be more centered and it's just going to be just amplified being in New York. It's not going to be that way in Jacksonville and just Jacksonville fans. I mean, they, they, they'll accept anything. You come in there and you go about five and 11 next year. They will think it's the, it's the next best thing smoking. The one thing, the one thing I would be concerned about if I'm Trevor Lawrence, the only thing I'd be concerned about going to Jacksonville, you need to, Get your agent and get him on the phone with ja with people in Jacksonville, and you need to get on the phone with the owner. And be like, listen, listen, Shad Khan, you took one step forward of cleaning up this clown show. You got Mr. Caldwell out of there. You fire every then maybe then Cody can jump in if you want to keep Keenan McCardell. Maybe some of these legacy dudes who got uh, some pull. In the that's community. about it. You you covered it. 
That's okay. It. Everybody, everybody else, Maul Dad Doug, Jay Gruden, Ben McAdoo with his hair product, everybody out. Forget Todd Wash. Todd, Todd Wash, that defensive coordinator who is so bad. Oh, you, it ain't, there is not verbiage in the English language that can describe how bad he is. They all have to go. You have to get someone else, some new, young, innovative offensive mind. I don't care who it is. Get this man, Eric Bieniemy down there so we can get more diversity. Give me something. We got to give me something because this whole trifecta, this holy trinity that we thought that they thought would work for some reason with Doug Marone, Jay Gruden, and Ben McAdoo is terrible. And it's not going to work. You have to completely redo this thing, just like I said they should last year when you had them free agent reports about people. You know what? Tom Coughlin and his regime was so oppressive and ridiculous that now NF, the NFL Players Association said, do not come to Jacksonville. And you know how bad it got, right? That you got you got Cody down here in a utter rejoicing about the great signing of one Joe Schobert. That's how bad it was. That's nice. your big headlining free agent acquisition you have to redo everything get all the coaches out of here and bring in a whole new regime young like i don't know anybody that's young and has any type of innovation that can come along with them get some young blood in there just like your quarterback and this is it's jacksonville they got a pool that they got low expectation low expectations it ain't gonna take that much to to get some positive energy in there and that's about it. I think going to Jacksonville, I think it's going to be fine for Trevor Lawrence. I, I, I really do. Um, so, yeah, to piggyback off what, what Jay was saying about the, positive, the pro and cons of New York and Jacksonville, I'm not going to go through, but I'm going to tell you right. He right on with that media. He right on with that. And another thing I want to add is, is the weather. Here's the deal. Trevor Lawrence is from Car Cartersville, Georgia, right? Mm, so right. Five hours away. So he has been, and he went to Clemson. Now Clemson can get a little cold because he's in the mountains, but for the most part, it's a warm weather area. Um, and then he plays in the ACC. Yeah, they might get a frosty night in Boston College, a little frisky one in, in, in Syracuse, you know. But for the most part, you know, when he's playing, you know, down south, the southern part of the ACC, pretty nice weather. Going to Jacksonville, oh, what do you know? Pretty nice weather. What else come with Jacksonville if he go down? Most likely Urban Meyer or Dan Mullen, from what I hear. So mm -hmm. they've been talking back and forth a little bit. Um, you know, we know Dan Mullins used to be Urban Meyer's offense coordinator back in the, the old glory Tim, Tim Tebow days and you know the uh, Percy Harvin days and all that. Um, so they, they you know they have a rekindle. For all I know, maybe Dan Mullins go be an offense coordinator in the NFL. Dan Mullins did say this. He said in five years, college football would not be the same. I don't know exactly what he meant by that because he didn't dive into it. It seems like he sees something coming that's going to be detrimental. So he's already looking towards the NFL. We know Urban Meyer pedigree. Urban Meyer is not coming back for a college job unless it's like Texas or USC, something glamorous, right? He wants an NFL job. What's the best way to sell Trevor Lawrence? Hey, Trevor, you come to Jacksonville and we're going to bring in Urban Meyer. All right, sign me up. Because without a doubt, 
Trevor Lawrence is familiar with what Urban Meyer do. Everybody in college football is familiar with Urban Meyer do. You know what I'm saying? He's one of those guys that came in, you know, put his thumbprint in the SEC, put his thumbprint in the Big Ten, put his thumbprint in whatever conference, the, I think it was Mountain West or whatever Utah was part of back in the day. So we know who he is. So I think Jacksonville getting this number one pick was just better overall for everybody than New York. Because first of all, you don't want to deal with the media. But then you don't want to deal with the lack of leadership they got going up there. <laughs> and then the weather. Oh, by the way, now you got to, instead of you getting this nice swimming pool you got in Jacksonville, you got to go share the stadium with the Giants. Oh, my God. So, you know, it's a lot. You know, you dive into this and you actually pull the layers back like that fresh onion. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm like, thank you, God. Matter of fact, let me go to church three times a week because he got he got hooked up because ain't no way you're going to convince me that the Jacksonville Jaguar job is worse than New York, unless you're talking about, well, look at all the things you could do outside of football in New York. Okay, cool. Ask Odell Beckham how they work out for you. Cause he's a superstar. And then he fell right off the face of the earth as a football player. Cause he wanted to be a model. He wanted to do this. He wanted to have his Nike deal. You know, I ain't mad at somebody getting their money, but it's one thing LeBron said, he says all the time and Michael Jordan kind of um, confirmed it. The main thing is the main thing, meaning whatever brought you to the party and gave you all this extra stuff, you have to make sure you stay at that party. Yeah, I understand it's a little easier for basketball players maybe than football players, but still, you have to stay focused on the main thing. I think New York is an area where it's very easy to stray away from that because there's so much going on in New York. So when you come in with a guy with all the hype in the world like Trevor Lawrence, Yo, my man been hyped up since a junior in high school. He came to Clemson. I, I was ready for him to part the Red Sea because that's how bad they was hyping him up. <laughs> so, of course, now he gets to go to little lonely old Jacksonville where he's the biggest fish in a small pond pretty much because they're going to wrap everything around him. Lord knows he get him to the playoffs. You know what's coming. The statues, the banner, and two new pools. So, listen. At the end of the day, I think it's a win-win for Trevor Lawrence. I think it's a win for Jacksonville. And then I think it's a win for whoever the oncoming coach. And, you know, just like Jay said, I do think they're going to get a new offensive mind of coach. I wouldn't be mad if it was Eric B. I wouldn't be mad. I just think with, with this guy coming straight from college, they will go get someone that relates more to college. Just what makes sense to me. But we'll see. But, hey. You know, Trevor Lawrence, I see you, baby. I know you have it, Jacksonville. Got that. You know what I'm saying? Because, hey, we see what they don't and say what they want. I'm out, baby. I'll tell you who's happy about it. I'm happy about it. I grinned like an idiot all day Saturday <laughs> afternoon and evening. I literally just sat there and grinned like a moron for like an hour. I'm not I'm not even kidding you. I I, I can tell you what he means in the city. But but uh, I wanted to start with the coach thing real quick. Because, Drink, that, that's a good point. You know, because there's been a lot there's been a lot of talk about the Urban Meyer talk. Now, I haven't heard Dan Mullen as much. I, I would wonder if he'd be leaving Florida yet. But you're right. That's kind of a, a conversation for LA. But I've heard that sentiment. A lot of coaches are saying, look, this whole image and likeness thing, the transfer portal. I mean, they got to work as hard to keep guys as they do to get guys anymore. You're going to see some of these bigger coaches in college maybe make more leaps to the NFL more than you've seen. So, I mean, I'd be I know I know he's an X's and O's guys. And I think that's what, what Urban Meyer is at is he might want to come back for his dream job like Notre Dame or something in, in college. But I don't think he likes all the other stuff that comes with it. He just wants to coach football. He wants to get his players and he 
wants to coach him. Well, obviously there's the NFL for you. Um, I don't know if you would be wanting to, it would require giving him a big, huge, like control, like a, almost a Bill Belichick type role. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Um, but I can tell you, you know, as a, as someone who's watched every snap of this team for a long time now, he would be the second best quarterback in the history of the team before he even, before his plane landed. I mean, the only guy they've ever had is Mark Brunell, and he was a solid guy. He was a solid guy on some really good teams that didn't do much anything without him. I, I literally heard him on the radio literally say that out of his own mouth. I mean, don't take my word for it. Um, but if you look at the whole history of the franchise, they've never had a superstar. There's never been a guy that put the team on the map. They've had a couple good teams. I mean, the late 90s, they got really good really fast. The Morton Anderson missed them in the playoffs. And then, you know, they all – if it wasn't for the Titans, they probably went to a Super Bowl like three or four years in. But, I mean, their best player is Tony Baselli. He, he might get in the Hall of Fame, maybe. I mean, Fred Taylor is the biggest name they've ever had. But even in college, Fred Taylor was more of behind Warfel and Spurrier on those Florida teams. I mean, they've never landed anyone near Trevor Lawrence. I mean, ever. And I know, I know with the hype Trevor Lawrence gets, I mean, you're right, Drink. I mean, a lot of people think this started in Clemson. This started in, in, in like, quarterback camps and, like, in freshman of high school. I mean, this guy has been talked about by scouts and talent evaluators since day one. I mean, he is basically on, like, LeBron's trajectory. I don't know if he can be that guy. I don't. I, that's, a, that's a hell of a a mountain to put him on but when you're talking about that kind of a prospect i mean there's not many franchises that have had a chance i mean you're talking about elways and mannings and lux you know that's the level we talk about but i can tell you this like a lot of people clown jacksonville and you're absolutely right they are they've been atrocious for 10 to 15 years i mean they have they have had one winning season since 2007 but i can tell you that this team, I mean, has nice weather, has super – I mean, you're talking about weather. Well, how about the taxes and the money? I mean, that money, that contract goes a lot further down here. You can buy an entire golf course down here for what that studio apartment would be in New York. So, you know, chew on that for me. Um, but you, they have – the roster is not talented, but it is very young. There's not – there's it's a very easy roster to sculpt however you want to make it. They have two first-round picks, and if the Rams miss the playoffs, you get two pretty good first-round picks. You've got another higher pick from the, the Vikings coming up in this draft as well. You're going in with the most salary cap space, the youngest roster. The offense already kind of has something coming together with DJ Chark and James Robinson, Lubishka Chenault. The offensive line isn't as bad as people think. Uh, the tackles maybe are questionable. You might not want to pay Cam Robinson, but – the offense is already kind of there, and we all know that it's easier to build a defense than it is to build an offense. So if you can get the right guys in, you make the right decisions, man, I, I think he can get in a really good situation here. I really think he could be the reason this franchise is still here in five or ten years. I, I really think that's how important he is. I mean, it would, be a, would he be good for the Jets, too? Of course he would. He'd be good for almost any franchise. It's not like the, the Chiefs, basically. I mean, like, you know, that's the only team that wouldn't want him right now. But – you know, he's going to mean so much to this city. And I think in the NFL, you want all your teams to be good at some point. It, it's not fun to have a team or two that just always sucks. It is never any good, you know? So I, I think you get in a good situation, but the team, they've got to make the right hires around him. And Shad Khan to this date hasn't done that, but maybe he's, maybe he's ready for a change. And let's hope so, because if they don't put the right situation around him, he's only going to be so good. So we'll see what they do, but Hey, they, they got the first pick which has never happened before in the history of the franchise. So see what they do with it. 
All right, fellas, last one for the evening is going to be, of course, college football. You know, our selection processes came and went, had a little bit of debate, but overall we got our four teams. Of course, we got Alabama uh, versus Notre Dame, and then we got Clemson versus Ohio State. And let's go ahead and start with the Alabama game. Um, obviously, Notre Dame slides in the fourth spot. They're going to go play the Crimson Tide, and we all uh, – we know what happened in the SEC championship. Obviously, Alabama had to score 50 to win, while Notre Dame pretty much got clocked by Clemson. And the game opens up as a 19-and-a-half-point uh, favorite for – Alabama so drink uh we know you know a little bit about the tide and uh do you do you see any surprises in this game or do you, do you think the line is uh about on point hold on hit that hit that line one more time for the that for says, the people uh that says 19 and a half and a half Ooh, I see. we see what they don't and say what they want Here, here's the deal all right so I know y'all seen the AP the first team AP all-american you know Mac Jones Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Alex Leatherwood, Landon Dixon. Well, he's not going to play in the playoffs, but Landon Dixon. You know what I'm saying? Then you have Patrick uh, Sertan on the defense, first All-American team, on the defense player to make the uh, first team. I say all that to say this. We ain't playing. Hey, no, today, we ain't playing. We coming out here, hey, with it. Yeah, the fighting Irish, yeah, you better be ready to fight because we're going to turn this thing back into 2012 if y'all don't get it right. Y'all don't get it right, we rolling. And look, one of the one of the underlying things of this game that I don't think people even know, Notre Dame is, is going against Alabama for the best offensive line, the Joe Moore Award. So this is a game that has two, probably the top two, best offensive lines in the country. So these trenches about to go down, baby. But here's the deal. Like everything else Alabama has seen, Notre Dame does not the traditional spread you out. We're going to get it down the field. I'm sorry. I just, I think Notre Dame has enough talent to be in the playoffs. I just don't think they have enough talent to stay competitive with Alabama. They're not on the same field with Alabama. Um, because, you know, I, I've, I've said this plenty of times. I'm not the biggest fan of Ian Book. And I don't think Ian Book has the talent on as well as the wide receivers. Now, he got some tight ends. Can't say their name. He has some tight ends that's going to probably show up. These some, some big boy tight ends. And like I said, the offensive line is great, which tells you the run game is great. But I just don't think Notre Dame has enough through the air to really, like, make Alabama, like threaten Alabama, especially a motivated Alabama. Listen, here's the deal. These seniors that came back, one of the most senior-lated teams in the country, they want to win a championship. We bees on that mission. That's why the lines look like it looks. But at the end of the day, you can't just disrespect a team like Notre Dame to say, like, they don't deserve. I hear a lot of people say they don't deserve it. Um, they shouldn't play Alabama. It should be somebody else. Whatever the case might be, this team has played, a, I, I think, about as good of a schedule as, you know, any team that's four and below. I'm, I'm sorry. They have. Um, they're here. It is what it is. We'll see the results. Now, let's talk about the defense, because that's where I think the key is for this game is both defenses. Notre Dame has a better – on paper, Notre Dame has a better defense. However, we all know this. Alabama played a lot more talent than Notre Dame to play this year. They just call it what it is. You take them two Clemson games out, and you're like, who the, who the heck – what? What Cincinnati? What you know? what I'm saying like, Coach Garrett. Like, you know, what I'm saying like that's what you say. But they did play Clemson twice. That does matter. But listen, 
for all my Tide fans that say, oh, our, our defense is shaky. Of course it's going to be shaky against Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask. Oh, by the way, you know Kyle Trask are finalists for the Heisman? So don't feel bad about that. You know, the, the guy only, like, breaking records for Florida. Kyle Pitts, are you kidding me? Dude, I don't care who they was playing. You, you not stop. Not one team has stopped Kyle Pitts this year. They now I know Florida lost three games, but in the games that he didn't play, no one stopped him. He, you know what I'm saying? They just didn't score no points, or they flailed around like they did against Texas A and them, and Texas A and them got them. You know, but it wasn't for a lack of scoring. As you've seen in the SEC championship, Florida can't score a lot of points. They just can't stop a whole lot of people on defense side of the ball. So that's that. That go to you know the dilemma. But with all that said, I think the defense is. I think, and I know this is gonna sound outrageous, but I think our defense is a little tad bit underrated. And a team like Notre Dame, I just don't like. I said I don't see that they'll be able to spread us out. So I think the defense will have a good day, and I do think we'll be able to spread out Notre Dame. Here's the deal: Notre Dame, as good as their defense have been this year, they have not played an offense as potent as Alabama. No disrespect to Clemson. I got it. But Clemson, you ain't no Alabama this year. You you don't have the guys that's just out here. I mean, you take Travis Etienne away, I want to see what it, really what Clemson can do. Unlike Alabama, you take Najee Harris away, we still got some killers on the outside. Matt Jones going to be willing to deal in and dropping pineapples like it's a Hawaiian punch commercial. Holla at your boy. So with all that said, listen, I I I like the 19 points. I think this game, I'm looking at it, I think it's 48. I give them 48-24 Alabama. That's, that's probably about right. And um, that, that line, by the way, that you referenced right off the bat, 19 and a half, yeah, that's generous. That This line, this somebody set this line at about 2021, and the, so the boss man was like, hey, no, 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 slide that down a little bit. That's just too disrespectful. But Alabama's three touchdowns better at least um, than Notre Dame. Like I said in the um, you know the uh, NFL NFC playoff picture, and and much like you can go back to the last to last season's college football playoff, this is a case where you got three teams that stand out and no doubt to in my mind deserve to be in, and then you got one team that you just well you got a college football playoff where you have four teams. So rather than have three teams and just the old BCS where you plug in two and then one team's mad that they didn't get in, well, we plug three in and then what well, we looking for fourth. We're just like, yeah, just come on in, Oklahoma. <laughs> come on in, Notre Dame. Just come on in and lose by about 30 and then we'll play the national championship. And that's what's going to happen here. Uh, Notre Dame, a lot of respect to them. I mean, they, this, this Notre Dame's a good football team. And I think they, they're deserving to be here, even though I got questions about them. Um, because when you look at their best win of the season against Clemson um, earlier in the season, um, Trevor Lawrence did not play in that game. So, I mean, and it took them, what, double overtime to even win that game. And then you come out in the rematch in the ACC title game with Trevor Lawrence and you get steamrolled. And that 34 to 10, and again, I don't think the game was that close. Um, and the, the I think the big difference uh, for me, and it's the same thing, you got three teams that stand out above Notre Dame and – no position on the field is more indicative of that than the quarterback position. Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence are leaps and bounds above Ian Book. And I, I'm, I apologize in advance if that's going to hurt some Notre Dame fighting Irish feeling. Ian Book ain't that good. 
he's just not. He he's a he's a nice player. He can make plays outside the pocket. He's got good speed. Uh, but he he's not he's not he's not beating you from the pocket throwing the ball fifty times. And that's what this is going to come ta- down to. I think Alabama's defense. I think they much improved. This isn't the Alabama defense of last year that just got embarrassed um, repeatedly. Whether it be Joe Burrow, whether it was Bo Nix. I mean, it was just a plethora of occasions. Hey, listen, hold on. First of all, let hold on. Let me slide this little tidbit in. Here we go. Hey, ain't no shame in losing to Joe Burrow last year. That's true. So he was on fire. But that you know Bo that sh- Nix, you, you right. Know- you know that shame that that. Nicks, yo, that that was yo, <laughs> hey, bro. yo. I'm, I'm sorry, I just but had you to know say that, that. But yeah, no, but you know, you know that, and I know Patrick Sartan. Sartan is the only guy, probably like the biggest household name on that defense. But I think this defense, you, you I think you're probably on to something as far as this defense being underrated. As the season's worn on, they they performed admirably. I mean, this is a defense that I, I just read a statistic. They're giving up like 3.2 yards per carry on the ground and i mean if if that number holds and notre dame can't run the football and it comes down to ian book having to go step for step with mac jones and Devontae smith yeah you go ahead and forget that and for notre dame's defense you know i think it's pretty clear that whenever you play alabama and i'm I'm, i would i would like to think that every defensive coordinator has you know game plan said all right well we're we're gonna. We got two options. We can either try to stop the run game and Najee Harris, or we can, you know, pull more resources to stop in the pass game and going after Devontae Smith. And I don't think whichever way people want to go, they can't stop either. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, these guys. You look at the box score for three guys: it's Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and Devontae Smith. And every single week, they all Devontae Smith and Najee, Najee Harris, they're good for at least two or three touchdowns, and one of them has two hundred yards. I mean, it's nothing like it's something like you've never seen. I mean, I thought when Jalen Waddle got hurt, that would spell trouble. It ain't spell no trouble. Devonte Smith just turns it up another notch. It's, he might it's, win it's, the Heisman. He, he's he's been he's been fantastic. I mean, it seems like 150 yards and two touchdowns is like his like low mark. It's incredible. I mean, and you know, I I think that score is about right. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a four plus touchdown victory for Bama. This, this should be easy. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I sat here just thinking if I could think of any way to maybe devil's advocate for Notre Dame, and I really can't. I mean, you know, they do have a solid defense, and if you can, if you can somehow, what what Florida could not do in the SC championship is they could not get any break. They could not get any. The whole Alabama thing is they don't make any mistakes. Like even on that defense, you know, the one or two times they made a mistake. You know, the, like, oh, my, I didn't have a safety behind me. I'm about to get beat. They grab the guy. And yeah, you get a pass interference, but you stay in the game. You know, and the one time they throw a pick, the dude gets hit stick so hard. Yeah, he's still laying on go. the field. And there they go. the ball right back. Like, it's some crap you see in Madden, and you're like, what the hell? So, it's – they play mistake-free football, yeah. man. And it, it's smothering. And it's – you saw Florida, man. They scored almost every time they could. I mean, but they couldn't run the ball, and that defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. So, it's – Notre Dame has a better defense and they can definitely run the ball, but they, you, you, you just, you, what you're going to see is you're going to see Alabama has the speed that Notre Dame just doesn't have. There's just, there are not enough elite athletes that Notre Dame has that Alabama has like that. They're not going to match up. And I, I think in the Clemson game, what really got exposed was the fact that Clemson's defense really is what let them down the first time in that game. I mean, yeah, no Trevor Lawrence, but you know, DJ, you know, fresh, whatever his name is. He, he played a fine game too. What, what I think some got overlooked in that Clemson game. They were without what? their middle, their starting middle linebacker too. And um, yeah, he, 
he's a guy that's been there for like seven years or something. Like he, he's the, he's the captain of that defense, you know, and that can be a big thing for these defenses. Guys were kind of misaligned. They didn't know where they were supposed to be, you know, and you saw him come back and all of a sudden Notre Dame could barely barf out 10 points. So I, I, I agree. I think this is going to be, this is going to be ugly. And like I told y'all pre-show, I don't think Alabama gets tested like Florida did the rest of the year, but we'll see, you know, what happens. And can I say, and can I say just to, to, cause you brought up a good point about Notre Dame in, in comparison with Florida. I think they do have a better defense. I think they do have a better run game with this guy, Kyron Williams, who I like, but they ain't got no, they don't have Kyle Pitts or Kadarius Tony. So they yeah. just, they're not, I mean, Alabama's going to hit you with splash plays and just, there's going to be a couple 40 to 50 yard bombs. Notre Dame's not going to be able to do that. Yeah, and I'm just going to read these stats uh, while I'm in the dark here before we move on. Uh, they lost to Clemson the last time we saw this, 33 before that, Ohio State in 15, 44 28. In 2012, they lost to Alabama, 42 14. I can keep going back to 2006 and beyond. Notre Dame does not show up in these big games, and there's no reason to think they're going to start doing it now uh, to me. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on. We have an actually close game. Um, we got Clemson and uh, Ohio State. Uh, I know Ohio State has some questions about their 6 0, especially one Dabo Swinney, but we'll, is, is what it is. Uh, the ESP ESPN's index is 50-50, but Clemson is getting seven and a half from Vegas uh, on the line. So, uh, want to start? You want to start us off on the, this one, Jay? I think, yeah. I th- you know, I'm not. I'm not always a fan of rematches, but I, I think this is going to be interesting. And you know, be- best team in the Big Ten, even though you know we know the Big Ten was late to the party. Ohio State ain't play a lot of games. Um, and it, as much as I thought, last, you remember my argument from last season, Ohio State, you know, they played a legit schedule last year. They, they're, they're, um, their resume to me was a lot uh, more impressive than Clemson. And the thought process behind picking Ohio State last year was Clemson was going to have, they were going to struggle in the early part of the game to where they adjusted, you know, kind of to Ohio State's talent, Ohio State's speed, because they, they'd never seen a team like Ohio State. Um, it, it's, it's not going to be that way this time around. Because really, in all actuality, I mean, what, who, who's really tested Ohio State? I mean, yeah, Indiana. Indiana kind of gave them a run late in that game after I think Ohio State was up 35-7. They ended up winning by a touchdown. But outside of that, I mean, there's nothing really impressive that they've done. You got Rutgers. You got Maryland, Michigan State. I mean, there's just not a lot. I mean, it's six games. So, I mean, there's really not much to point to. And I just get the feeling, and this is for both sides, I get the feeling Ohio State, they're just not quite as good as they, la- they were last year. I mean, there's no, there's no Chase Young. Um, they, they, don't, they don't quite have the, the offensive firepower that they had last season. I mean, just it seems like just recently this, this young kid, Trey Sermon, the, the transfer from Oklahoma, I believe, he's kind of burst on the scene lately. Um, but just there's not, a, there's not a bunch of household names outside of Justin Fields. I mean, you have um, – I'm, what's the defensive Sean Wade you got him yeah. in the defensive backfield um, but by and large it's it's kind of a, a it's Justin Fields and just some dudes out there and then you know on the, I think you make the probably a similar argument for Clemson I mean we know the ACC isn't that much to write home about but they, they did get two games against Notre Dame this season we know North Carolina North Carolina's improved um, this season we know Miami is you know for what it's worth they're not fully back but they're they're competitive and they're they, they fighting for second just like every other team is in the ACC because they can't touch Clemson yet um, so Clemson really you can look at them and say um, they've been the, the team that's been more tested so far um, the the whole idea that um, Trevor Lawrence was gonna maybe struggle a little bit because 
Um, no T. Higgins, uh, no Justin Ross. Well, Amari Rogers has played, you know, he's been tremendous as, as their number one receiver. Travis Etienne is still outstanding. Um, and really, that, that's about all they need. As, as good as Lawrence is, um, as good as Travis Etienne is, just told you how good Amari Rogers has been. And, and just with the way they coach those guys up, I mean, Dabo Sweeney and um, Brent Venables, I mean, I don't care much for either one of them, but I mean, they, they are to be respected. I mean, they're great at what they do. Um, they, they built a tremendous program down there that is, you know, it's rivaling Alabama for best program in the country. Um, so I think, I think when it's all said and done, I, I don't have the same feeling um, that I had about this game last season. I think what this game comes down to is Justin Fields um, throwing the ball from the pocket. And, you know, if he's able to improve, um, you know, improve upon what he did in, in the semifinal game last season, um, then Ohio State, I think, could, you know, they could have a great shot. But, you know, you know as well as I do, last season, Justin Fields in this game from the pocket, he, he was not good enough. You know, he made, he made, some, uh, he made some poor decisions. He made a, made a poor decision late in that game that cost him the game. And you recall early on in that game, Clemson, uh, Ohio, excuse me, Ohio State had, you know, several opportunities to really, you know, l- uh, lay a knockout uh, punch on Clemson in that first half. And they couldn't do it. You know, they ended up settling for about three field goals. It was 16 nothing. And then you had that, you know, they had that ill-timed targeting call in the second quarter. They got that game turned around. I don't think that's going to happen this time. I just don't think Ohio State's, you know, they, they just haven't, they haven't played the competition that would kind of give them that first half advantage that they had last season. Um, and because of that, I, I think Clemson win this, wins this game by, you know, 10 to 14 points. First of all, I want to thank Ohio State and Clemson for providing us some good um, high-class college football level entertainment. Um, The coaches, that is, um, bullet to board for both. I love it. Dabo, Ron Day, keep it going, baby. I love it. Because somebody going to eat that crow when the game is over. Let's keep the smoke going. Bring college football back again. Listen. With all that said, this is why I like Dabo. Dabo know he got a good team. Unlike most coaches, he ain't gonna like give you the cliche answer. He just out here, he's just doing it all. He gonna rub it in, he gonna let you know his team better, and he's just gonna be all types of tomfoolery, and I'm all about it. Cause you know what? You still gotta play the game. Either way, with that said, oh yeah, Clemson gonna beat Ohio State by 21 points. Or more. Oh, yeah. Because I think this head game that Dabo is playing, first of all, I think Dabo is the better coach. I'm not sold that Ron Day is that good of a coach. He's a good recruiter. If you want to talk about him recruiting, I'll be like, yeah, he's one of the best. But X's and O's, I've, I haven't seen anything that, that says he knows how to, like, really drive the plays and win a game. I didn't seen that with Dabo. I didn't watch Dabo outsmart Nick Saban. I, I haven't seen that with Ron Day. So when all the tips on the table, I'm going with the proven commodity. The proven commodity is Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers, Brent Venables, and whoever the offense coordinator. You know, I haven't, I don't know who the offense coordinator. I've been watching them for the last five, <laughs> six years, and I can't tell you who the offense coordinator was any of those years. It's always Dabo Sweeney and Brent Venables. I don't never remember seeing the offense coordinator. Trevor Lawrence's hair. Exactly. Trevor Lawrence, um, the offensive coordinator. It might be Justin Ross. Either way, <laughs> either way. 
I, I just, you know, this year, uh, you know, much to the grinch of, of what Jay was saying, I just don't think Ohio State that good. I just don't. And then another thing is this. Ohio State hasn't played like steady football to get good. Mm-hmm. It's been stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. Now you got this break before the playoffs. When do they get a rhythm? At least Clemson did have a rhythm with and without Trevor Lawrence at, at one point. The old DJ was like, oh, I like this. You sure he let him catch Corona again? Let me spin it some more. Like they had a rhythm, right? <laughs> so Ohio State is the one team of the four that never caught a rhythm. On top of the fact that they never caught a rhythm, the best team they played was either Indiana or Northwestern. And it, it depends on the fan base you talk to. So that's the best team that they that they played up to this point. Clemson is gonna blow the doors off as far as the competition and the, the athletes, the talent, the speed of which they played this year, like it's, it's not, it's going to be a, a big mismatch. And the problem is the one thing Ohio State could have had on their side is, well, they're going to be fresher because they play less games. Well, that's a, you know, that's a two-sided coin. Because yes, they might do be fresher. They don't necessarily mean they're going to be better. They're just going to be fresher. But they still didn't play as many games. Did you not see what, like, how um, this happened recently. You you have these teams that play five games and then they play a team like BYU then they play like, I don't know, 11 games. And then BYU go smash them and people are like, oh, well, you know, BYU was just better. Or maybe BYU is just, they're, they're more cohesive as a team maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We overlooked that part. So I, I just don't think Ohio State have the rhythm. I'm not the biggest fan of the coach. I haven't really seen him make this, outstanding, excellent, and O's playing under the brightest lights. So with all that said, man, I got Clemson. Man, look, I got this game 35 to 14 Clemson. Dabo about to come out here talking reckless after the game. And if he lose, I expect Ryan Day to talk reckless after the game. So let's keep that smoke, baby, because we want it all over there at Bama. We'll see you in Miami, January 11th. Holla at your boy. Yeah, the uh, man. I hope I hope drinks not right because that's gonna be some pretty boring football on Friday. I um, I, I can see it happening. I really could. I, I, when I look at this matchup, I think it's pretty simple. I think these teams recruit somewhere evenly. You know, they they both top five recruiting classes every year. I think the athletes and all that. They, they got guys on both sides of the ball that can do stuff, run around, all that fun stuff. They, you know, Dabo's a much more proven coach than Ryan Day. But you know, Ryan Day didn't fall into that job by mistake. But you're right. He, he's, he's got he's got that Kirby Smart feel of has he ever really showed you nobody on a doubt. He can get you over the hump. You know, we don't know that yet. Um, but I look at the quarterbacks. And on one hand, we had that guy that uh, was it Lawrence, I think it is. He uh, he might be all right. But Justin Fields this season hasn't looked good. I mean, he just hasn't had a game in a big moment or in a big game where you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, what are the two games this year? They've, they've really had to push it. it was Indiana. And it was Northwestern. Okay, in, against Indiana, he threw three picks. He was 18 of 30. He did have 300 yards. There were some big chunks in there. Um, in Indiana, you know, Grant's a pretty good defense, but he still he threw three picks. I mean, you think Indiana's got a good defense? Well, Clemson's got a pretty good one too. So you know, look out for that. And then in the Big Ten Championship, Trey Sermon had to run for 331 yards. He destroyed Eddie George's record. I mean, he destroyed Ohio and, State's all-time record. I mean, hold on. And, and, and what was this? Do you remember the score of the Big Ten Championship game? The it was final 20, score? 22 to 10. It was a 22 22 point, 
That ain't gonna yeah. get it done. Twenty-two yeah. points ain't gonna get it yes. done against Clemson. I'm telling you that right now. Exactly. Fields in this game done. was twelve of twenty-seven for hundred and fourteen yards and two picks. They looked miserable in the first half. I mean, Justin Fields couldn't went to the beach and threw it in the water. I mean, it was just it was awful. So I I don't think he's that bad of a quarterback. I don't think this is really a fair representation. I think Northwestern pretty much sold out to slow him down. I mean, a guy doesn't run on you for three hundred and thirty yards by mistake. I mean that. You, do, you were doing something wrong or you were selling out for something else. But it's just hard to imagine that with what we've seen out of Ohio State and what we see out of, of Justin Fields this year, that they're going to be able to go in and play Clemson and, and Trevor Lawrence and, and the, the story, the, the established commodity they are and win. Now, I think I, again, I think with the talent, it's going to be close enough where it'll be a game. I don't I hope it's not a blowout. We know the other one's going to be. But. I, I just I gotta think that Clemson's probably gonna handle them. I think it'll be a little bit better than Notre Dame's game, but I, I'm still I'm still seeing about a 10 to 14 point game, maybe close in the first half. Clemson kind of opens it up late, um, but I mean, hope I'm wrong because it could be a lot of more a lot more fun if you got two great quarterbacks going at it. But so far from what we've seen, there's no reason to think Justin Fields is gonna do what Trevor Lawrence can do or even half of what he can do this year. All right, so I'm finished off with rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Let's go, Jay. All right, according to the Athletic and the Stadium, Brooklyn Nets starter Spencer Dinwiddie has suffered a partially torn ACL in his right knee. Drink, how bad is this for the Nets' title hopes? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm not going to sit here like Dinwiddie was like an all-star or anything, but I thought he was a pretty good um, insulated role player. And he was in the starting lineup. And I think they was going to tweak some things and get him. Uh, make him the star player off the bench. But I, I think right now it's not as bad. Let's see how his rehab go, if he be able to come back towards the mid mid of the season. With us play, well, with them playing 72 games rather than 82 games, that's 10 games you don't have for the recovery. Um, so as long as they can get them back right before the playoffs and get them back, you know, earlier, but you know, a little bit after the All-Star break should be fine. I don't know. Um, but as of right now, it's not that big of a, a hit to their title hopes. I mean, you still got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So, you know, might not be the worst thing. But at some time, that dealt will be an issue. The Philadelphia 76ers GM, Daryl Moore, was fined $50,000 for violating the NBA anti-tempering policy in response to a tweet from Maury regarding Rockets superstar James Harden. Your reaction? It seemed like a it seemed like a, a very like light offense, and it seemed like NBA out here looked like they're trying to just go ahead and snipe Daryl Morey from like you know across the map on Call of Duty. Like it's it seems pretty ridiculous. I I just want to know you know you know the NBA they've been looking to get Daryl Morey ever since he said whatever he said about uh, China. So I'm just wondering how much of this 50k is going to China. I, I would I would like to know how much money they get out of this. Miami quarterback Derek King is foregoing the NFL draft and will return to the Hurricanes in 2021. Is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Well, it was a big deal before the night, and then he wanted to go out here and get hurt, so it might mess around and be a no deal. But <laughs> at the time, at the time, I thought, of, you know, listen, it's a big deal. Um, I, I'm a big component of this. When you got when you're a team like Miami this year, or like LSU was two years ago, the biggest thing that you do is you try to get these these seniors. Um, these, these guys that play leadership roles for your team to come back another year, build some continuity and try to start showing that this franchise can be a winning program. So I think the biggest key is the quarterback, obviously. So they brought back Darren King and we'll see if they're able to bring back some of the other guys. But I do think it's a big deal that Manny Diaz was able to get him back. And 
we'll see if he can build off that. The Washington football team has released 2019 first-round pick Dwayne Haskins. Any big takeaways from that transaction? Yeah, I think it's somewhat pretty surprising that this happened in his second year. I think this probably goes beyond the football field. Uh, I don't think Dwayne Haskins, it wasn't the ideal circumstances, uh, his time in Washington. We know the first coach, Jay Gruden, didn't want him. Uh, in this second season, I mean, he, he got some playing time, but it was kind of broken. It was he started a game here, started a game there. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, this is about Ron Rivera. I trust Ron Rivera's judgment. Um, and it, it's more than his talent on the football field. It's this it probably speaks to some some levels of immaturity and lack of professionalism. That that's what I think about it. The primetime NFL action Sunday and Monday treated us to two ridiculous wide receiver performances. Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams reeled in 11 passes for 142 yards and three touchdowns against the Titans, while Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs tore through the Patriots for nine catches, 145 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, Drink, who is the best wide receiver in the NFL? I want I want to say, I want to say both of these guys are very good. <laughs> I'm not saying neither one are bad, but if I'm using the stats that was just given to me, I'll, I'll probably take Stephon Diggs' performance. Um, only because Devontae Adams is playing with a quarterback he's been playing with for the last three or four years. Um, one of the best quarterbacks to do it. Stephon Diggs has came and revived the Josh Allen um, experiment. And I got to think as a wide receiver, it's a little harder to, to catch a ball from Josh Allen than it is Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I'm not a wide receiver. That's just me spitballing. So I'm going to go with Stephon Diggs' performance. Um, the San Diego Padres have been active recently with trades lined up for the Tampa Bay Rays starter Blake Snell and Chicago's Cubs starter Yus Darshich. What, what do you make of these moves? San Padres being aggressive. I mean, they, they had some aggressive moves the last offseason. They brought in uh, Manny Pachado. We know how uh, great Fernando Tatis Jr. is at shortstop. Um, and then now they got some front of the line starting pitching. I'm, I'm more of a uh, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of Blake Snell, 28 years of age, already got a Cy Young under his belt. Um, but you Darvish, he was excellent in the, um, the pandemic shortened season last year. He finished second in Cy Young voting to Trevor Bauer. Um, but it, it I like what the Padres are doing. This is the type of mindset you need to have when you're competing in the same division as the Los Angeles Dodgers. Memphis Grizzlies point guard John Morant will miss three to five weeks after suffering a grade two ankle sprain against the Brooklyn Nets on Monday. Do you think this injury has already ended the playoff hopes for Memphis? I think so. Unfortunately, and, and the difference between what I was saying about Dem Willie and what I'm saying about John Morant, John Morant is the star of the Grizzlies, where Dem Willie is not. So it, it would be almost the equivalent of, I don't know, like maybe Kyrie Irving getting hurt. And you now you got to think, dang, do, do they have enough? I don't think Memphis has enough to stay competitive in the Western Conference in a division without John Morant. Like, I guess you lean on Jared Jackson Jr. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know where you get. He was a big part of what Memphis did. He was a big part of their success. So... I'm going to say yes. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm going to say yes on that. I think they might miss the playoffs because of that. Clemson football coach Dabo Sweeney, Dabo, is standing by his, co his coaching polls ballot where he ranked Ohio State 11th. What are your thoughts on this whole Dabo ballot situation? Well, you know, I guess unless you're going to, you know, give the old mail-in ballot, you know, election fraud scandal, then you kind of have to stick with, um, you know, the what you... Dominion. Yeah, Dominion what, you kind of have to stick with, um, you know, what you, 
put on the ballot. I think it's bulletin board material for Ohio State. Um, but and I think I think it's gamesmanship and Dabo Swinney's proved he's one of the best in the business. So um, I don't know, baby, he's probably getting in Ryan Day's head just a little bit, like we talked exactly. about in the last segment. Like Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith is the first wide receiver to win the AP College Football Player of the Year Award since that honor was established in 1998. All right, Drink, feel free to say a few words to commemorate this auspicious occasion. You know what it is. The Golden Gazelle, Mr. Devontae Silky Smooth Smith, suction cups, the hamburger helper logo. Anything you want to do it, you know what it is. Hey, baby. You know what I'm saying? He took it over. He Listen, I want people to understand this. You know how hard it is to come to a, organi- uh, a university like Alabama, a prestige football university, and come and just take it over and be more talked about than the quarterback? That used to be the thing back in the day. But, it, you know, now quarterbacks, you know what I'm saying, throwing the ball everywhere. Now it's very hard to overshine a quarterback with today's RPO offense. But let me tell you something. Devontae did it even with sharing the ball with water for three games. You know, so listen, it's an honor. He gonna win that Heisman. You know what it is, he gonna win that Heisman. And uh, yeah, that's right. I know it sounds far-fetched that a guy, a wide receiver will win the Heisman over, you know, two quarterbacks, two other quarterbacks, but it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I'm Yeah, I'm discounting the third one, cause I don't know. There's one guy now. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is a Heisman finalist. I'm just saying. I don't know. Lifetime Achievement Award. You know what I'm saying? That's what that is. He he might end up number four out of four. I mean, four out of four. Sorry for my other viewers. But, yeah, you know what it is. So, hey, Devontae, go to Gazelle. You know what it is. Best player in college football. Last one. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers is the odds-maker favorite for NFL MVP after the Packers destroyed the Titans on Sunday night. Do you think Rodgers win it all, or will the MVP go back to the Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, boy Mahomes? I think the, uh, you know, the, there's obviously some recency bias here, but I think it goes, it'll go a long way to, to determine who wins this award. The, the last time, the last moments that we saw Patrick Mahomes this season, he was, you know, kind of struggling to defeat the woefully bad Atlanta Falcons. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers, we saw what he did on Sunday night. He's going to get another opportunity against the Bears this weekend to, you know, cement his season. And Mahomes could very well um, sit sit out this weekend um, against the Chargers. They really they don't have much reason to play him. And I think what we're going to see, you know, in long term, Patrick Mahomes is going he's going to be looked at and treated kind of like LeBron James. Patrick Mahomes could very well win this award every every season. Aaron Rodgers, though, I think he deserves this award. I think, you know, given the supporting cast he has to work with, it's still basically a one wide receiver offense. And I think given the fact that what the Packers did in the offseason drafting Jordan Love, I expected Aaron Rodgers to come back with a vengeance, but he's even exceeded my expectations. Um, but, yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers wins this award. All right. That concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, mate, tomorrow better than today. And made today better than yesterday. And you know what we gonna do. We're gonna watch that Rose Bowl first. And we're gonna holler at you next until next time, baby. Rotate, baby.